you don't you think like patients we really have to be our best advocates and like get you, second you opinions absolutely and, have to yeah. yeah and that's where you know we talk to people they say well you know why can't my traditional doctor do this or why doesn't right. my insurance cover this and and the reality is is you know it takes me when i onboard a patient we get all the data for me to prep for that call to go through it and then to come out on the other end with all the recommendations and then get kind of get everything sorted i mean that's a four or five hour deal right yeah. I, that's and i've i've optimized it and made it as efficient as i can it just takes a lot of time it's a lot of data and yeah i mean your primary care doc when they see you they probably have seven minutes Gosh, right yeah. like seven minutes oh. you know I, I was seeing when i was in my orthopedic clinic i would see you know 50 to 60 people a day so you're literally just like, you're like walking in, you're like, you're brushing by the patient and you're walking out. So stretched um, in, yeah. And you just can't, you can't do that. And that's why I think the subspecialization of medicine just continues to happen because if all I'm worried about as an orthopedic surgeon is your foot, and that's like all I'm gonna, like, that's all I'm gonna talk about, that's all I care about, I'm just like, hmm, you have midfoot arthritis, you need an injection. You know, like I can do that in seven minutes. Sure. Um, but I can't, I can't talk somebody through reversing diabetes in seven minutes. Right. It's just not possible. Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lauren Not Live. I've got Dr. Doug Lucas with me. How's it going, Doug? Going great. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on the show. So as people know, I'm really interested in health and feeling your best, both emotionally, physically, spiritually. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the health aspect. Um, we're going to focus kind of on like what exists beyond like traditional health care. Um, so uh, Dr. Doug is a health optimization ph uh, physician. He, I, I believe you started your um, practice in like orthopedics, but now you're focusing right. more on, um, you have a tele, uh, is it a telehealth, um, sorry, I'm like tongue tied today, yeah, a telehealth okay, practice tele platform. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you practice like optimal human health. So we'll, we'll talk about that. You have some certain focuses and stuff that you can share, but um, I love your approach of just like not treating, but also let's focus on the underlying cause and also preventing. So I'm going to hand mm -hmm. it over to you and let you kind of just tell who you are, how you got into this. How did you switch from orthopedics into what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, um, as you said, I started my practice as a, a traditional orthopedic surgeon. I, I finished my training in Stanford and, and then went into a traditional private practice, you know, and I was doing all the things that surgeons do, which is mostly operate. Right. Um, and I very quickly realized that the, the things that I were interested in outside of surgery were really underserved in our, in, in our medical system. And we had a great community, medical community where I was practicing. Um, but I kept seeing these specific populations that were really uh, being left out of, of the system and were really not being served. And those included people, particularly with metabolic issues like diabetes, with um, osteoporosis, something we'll talk about, um, uh, thyroid dysfunction, gut dysfunction, like the, the list just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. And I realized pretty quickly that I was really just sort of cleaning up the mess as a surgeon. Um, and it, it, it was not really as satisfying as I thought it would be because I felt like I was making people different and I was sort of like applying a really fancy band-aid, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't actually making people better. 
And um, so after three years of that, I uh, we actually moved from, I was in Durango, Colorado, and we moved to Asheville, North Carolina, where I am now joined another practice. And I thought maybe the, the change of environment would actually fix the problem and it didn't fix the problem. And, um, and so after leaving that practice and then joining another practice where I could work part-time, I started changing my focus on education, really started getting educated on things that I could then help with somebody in some practice. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but in, in some way outside of orthopedics or, or maybe even in orthopedics. So I went through an additional fellowship in, uh, in functional medicine and regenerative medicine, did some training in precision health, which is genetics. Um, and then also some ex really extensive training in hormone optimization and hormone replacement. Once I had all that training in place, I realized, okay, there isn't a place where I can actually help people the way that I want to. So I'll just build it myself. So I launched uh, optimal human health um, last year and then um, optimal bone health, which is the osteoporosis component of that was launched this year. So yeah, that's, that's that transition out of the traditional medical mm -hmm. community, which is really hard for most docs with my interest to do. Totally. And good for you. Yeah. I've talked to a few on the show and in the world of, you know, that I've met uh, that have, said the same thing. Like they just, they saw the flaws. They saw there's, there's this need. So good for you. Um, and I always want to be really careful, obviously like doctors and nurses and people in healthcare, like, thank you for what you're doing. Um, you guys are doing wonderful things. And, you know, I think where we can probably agree is like Western medicine does amazing things when it comes to like repairing surgeries, you know, uh, trauma, accidents, things like that, of course, saving lives in many, many ways, but chronic illness, and it's not just the healthcare uh, professionals, it's not their fault. We're sick for various reasons. We have probably, that's too much to go into today, you know, in depth, but uh, chronic illness is, is a real problem. And some of that's yeah. not being tackled well, I believe, um, from just the, the traditional, you know, medical approach. It's, it's more treating versus preventing. So luckily, there are people like you and people, mm -hmm. just normal people like me that aren't doctors that are more aware of things that we can do to kind of start being healthier and prevent long-term illness. But like you said, there's just so many people suffering. So um, do you, not to like take as much time as you need and you don't feel, have to go like go super in depth, but if, wh what do you think are some of the things that are really making um, a lot of people really ill? Like, are there just some basic things mm -hmm. that you've noticed in your research? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell you lots of, lots of, through lots of patient and, uh, and research efforts, I can tell you, uh, some very specific things, but before I do that, I want to echo what you said mm -hmm. about you know, people that are doing the job in the medical community. You know, my, my path is, is in no way, um, negatively reflecting on what they're doing. Right. I think it is amazing. You know, if you have a heart attack, you can get to the hospital and end yeah. up in a, a, a cardiac cath suite in under 60 minutes. I mean, the fact that our system can yes. do some of these things is remarkable. I live next to a great trauma center. And if I'm ever in a car accident, I'm confident, you know, that they're going to treat me as, as best as they can in the situation. So yeah, we need all these things. 
but like you said, the, the system is not doing a great job of educating people and empowering people to reverse the underlying issues of the chronic diseases. Right. And that's, that's where, you know, when somebody comes to me as an orthopedic surgeon, when I was still practicing that, and they would say, you know, my, my foot hurts. I was a foot and ankle subspecialist, right? My foot hurts and they have some mild arthritis, but they had their weigh 300 pounds and they have a lot of inflammation and they're, you know, have some neuropathy in their feet from either nutrient deficiency or from their diabetes, who knows, you know, and you, you, you look at this patient and you say like, there are so many things that we need to correct yeah. with you that I'm not even like, I actually wasn't even allowed to talk about nutrition. I got called, I got told not to talk about nutrition in my orthopedic practice, mm-hmm. uh, by our, by our malpractice uh, company, because they said I wasn't trained in it. And that was really frustrating. So, um, cause my wife's a PhD in nutrition and literally helped her build a nutrition company. But yeah, obviously I'm not trained in it. So um, anyway, to get to your, to your question, yeah, some of the underlying things, um, if you look at what's changed in our society over the last really, you know, let's call it 50 years, right? So you go back to like the 1970s, that's really when we started to see this really sharp increase in uh, obesity, diabetes, chronic disease, Alzheimer's, you know, uh, sarcopenia or muscle loss, like all these things really started to accelerate in the 1970s. Now, there are a lot of things that that changed between 1970 and, and 2020, right? There's a lot of a lot of things that you could point a finger at from an association perspective. But some of the underlying things are a real clear change in diet. So we really shifted at that point from eating really kind of a whole foods diet. People were, they lived more on farms. They didn't live in cities. They ate more local foods. They ate more animal products. They ate more dietary fat. They ate less grains and there were no processed foods, right? just didn't exist. And so we went from eating that kind of diet to eating this highly processed carbohydrate forward for some people, low fat, for some people, high fat, right? So like we're all extreme in our, in our dietary views. Um, but the big underlying thing there is the highly processed foods and the way that the the food manufacturing companies have really um, consolidated the system so that uh, there are not that many companies that make food and all of them make food that are highly palatable, nutritionally uh, void. So they, they taste really good. They have no nutrition in them and they don't have a lot of um there's just nothing other than density and calories. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so that I think drives a lot, a lot of the metabolic dysfunction, which can drive a lot of the other stuff. I think the other big thing too, is just the, the uh, advent of technology and, you know, the, the pace of our lives is very, very different now than it was 50 years ago. Um, I think probably those two things um, more than anything can then lead to like the sleep dysfunction and the stress and the adrenal, like all that stuff sort of just comes from it. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you big time. I think the biggest thing is just what we're eating, and I'm guilty of it too. It's just so much processed food. It's so hard if you're not eating organic food, like you're eating, you know, sprays. It's it's, it's, it's just so hard, right? Like so we, hard. my wife and I. So I mentioned she's a PhD in nutrition, and so like she has she has her own her own company and her own program, and um, we have this back and forth because processed foods that come in, like minimally processed foods that come in a bag, are still processed right. foods. And it just like, it's so easy to just fall back on this, like, well, you know, I got to run somewhere. I'm going to grab this bag of this thing. Right. I'm like, well, look at the, look at the thing, you know, but then at the same time, like 
I'm fortunate enough now I work from home. My fridge is upstairs. Like I can prep food. Like I have local meat that I can buy down the road. Like Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate to have all these things, but it's really hard to do that if you have to like go to work. And if you, so it is, it is very challenging. Um, but it is something that I make all my patients or you make, I ask all my patients to focus on. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And it's a work in progress and it can't be perfect and you got to enjoy your life. But I think I was listening to a podcast. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Dr. Zach Bush? No, I don't know that one. He's a, he's awesome. He talks a lot about soil crisis and how the non, you know, nutrient, uh, our food is lacking nutrients because of all the roundup that's been spreading the soil and that gets really into it. But he talks a lot about that too. But then he joked that him and this guy that he was on the podcast with went out for burgers and they were eating like non-organic buns. I mean, you can't be perfect. Okay. Like let's have some, you know, grace for ourselves and enjoy life. But generally speaking, yes, if you can make your own food or try to buy local, try to buy organic when you can, like those are some steps. But anyways, I agree with you wholeheartedly that that's making a lot of us very sick, um, messing with our energy levels, our adrenal hormones. So, um, I was reading on your website and I've heard this before from other doctors that are doing things similar to you. Um, so what, one of the first things that we could do if we're not feeling well, would you agree is to get like a, a full blood panel just to see kind of like what's going on in our bodies? Yeah. I, you know, it's people ask me this all the time. Um, and because I'm only, I'm only licensed in 10 States. And so we can only work with people, mm. you know, in, in 10 States, um, which is expanding, but it's hard to do anyway. Um, people, especially from other States, like I can't work with you at least like what, what are the things I can do? Right. And I'm like, well, I really wish I knew what was going on. Like, I really want to look under the hood. I really want to see, you know, where, where are the low hanging fruit? Because you can, I could list a hundred different things that you could do. I could, I could fill your entire day with ways that you could improve yourself. Right. But nobody, nobody can do that. Um, And so understanding what's going on from a a, a really extensive blood panel is a really great starting point. We also like to add genetic testing to that. And then we also like to add functional testing depending on people's symptoms. Um, So once you get that picture of, okay, objectively, this is where you are and genetically, this is how you're built. Mm -hmm. Now I can make some recommendations and and on our, our report that we give people after their results review, it has, you know, like, uh, your number one, number two, and number three priorities, right? Like this is what we're going to really focus on. These are the things that are going to be the, the lowest hanging fruit to pick over the next six months while we make this change. That's something that people can hang on to, right? You know, rather than just aiming at this, the, whatever they read on, on social that this guy that, you know, that looked really great is doing, right? right. Like you don't know that that's good for you. Yeah. Um, Cause everybody is different. You know, we're not, we're not little robots. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so funny like like you said like high protein or you know this whole like keto vegan it's like nothing's gonna work for everybody like everyone's different and we're built differently and you have different things going on in your right. body i got different viral potentially like viral stuff going on that you don't know that could be making you super sick like you might eat gluten feel okay i might not so this one way or the highway like that's not really realistic so i think that's cool that you guys personalize it with the blood you know work and then you said function yeah. did you say functional test Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Testing. Yeah. So if fu- functional is kind of a funky word, but functional basically is the, the basic concept is like, if you look at a, um, just like a, like a lab core, for example, right? Like you go get a test done. It's usually done by lab core request. They have reference ranges and, mm-hmm. and you have your normal, right? So like, we know that normal is actually just two standard deviations from average. And if your population is very sick, 
I don't want to be two standard deviations mm-hmm. below average in a sick population in anything. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's, that's what we consider normal, right? You go to your primary care doc, they test your thyroid. Oh, your TSH is normal. We're like, wow, it's like 4.5, but okay. Yeah. So um, functional testing really is, is designed around this concept of, Hey, look, let's, let's actually narrow this down and say, these are your optimal ranges. So this is a, like a functional range. Then there are specific functional tests that can look at like organ systems. So like, um, uh, cortisol through the saliva to look at your adrenal glands, uh, gut testing to look at certain food sensitivities, you know, like stool testing. I kind of lump all that into the, the, this bucket of functional testing. Um, it's kind of a, it's a vague word, but that's what we, we label it all as. Yeah. Do you do allergy like blood tests for allergies? Yeah. So we do food sensitivity testing a little different than allergy testing. Um, and then even beyond that, I actually want to know more about the specific proteins in the food. So for example, like if you do a, a traditional food sensitivity test for, for milk, right. It might say like you're sensitive to milk, mm-hmm. but it doesn't tell you what part of like oh, what component yeah. is, is it the lactose? Is it the whey? Is it the, you know, um, uh, is it the casein and, and all that makes a difference because if you, let's say, for example, you're a bone health patient and we're struggling to get calcium in, into your, your diet rather than through supplementation. And we say, well, you're sensitive to milk. Well, can you drink a two milk? Can you drink, mm-hmm. you know, like, can you tolerate certain, like certain dairy products? Versus goat maybe you're like, I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, so there are like, there are hacks for that, you know, yeah. or if we, people say like, well, I don't have any issues when I, when I drink milk and like, I'm not lactose sensitive, but they're intolerant to whey. And then they're chronically inflamed mm-hmm. because we're like, we're funneling like whey protein into them. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to get better, or at least they're still going to have issues. So right. like, knowing that information is, is really helpful. Totally. Yeah. I had an allergy test done and I was so bummed of course, cause like oat, wheat and gluten all came back. And then tomatoes was like medium and then cheese, like cow's milk was like low medium. And I'm part Italian. I'm like, that's my worst nightmare. Those three ingredients are in like every recipe. However, if you go to Italy, they have a lot better gluten. It's oh, yeah. it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah, the wheat. I tell people this too. The like the wheat that we have in the United States is not the same wheat no. that they serve in Italy. So people like people like when I go to Italy, I eat bread and I'm fine. Yeah. Right? because because it's not actually the gluten for everybody. Right. It is the like the density of gluten in our American or wheat the way is it's like processed so or sprayed. High, or, right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, but it's just interesting with that concept though, for a lot of people are in your, your shoes, right. Where they've gone to some, some functional medicine doc and they've run a a food sensitivity panel or truly a food allergy panel, right. Which is, which is IgE, which is not the same thing as food sensitivity. There's so many different variations of it. But when you see that it comes back and it's all of the stuff that you eat, like I did one a couple months ago and it was like all of the things I eat on a regular basis. Mm when it pops up like that, you're not actually sensitive to all those things. Mm. What that's telling you is that you have increased gut permeability and okay. that you're, you're all that stuff's just leaking through. Right. So okay. like you need to you know, maybe exclude those things temporarily, but that's not actually like oh, you can't eat tomatoes and cheese. Right. Blueberries so, was the so, only fruit that came up and like, I eat those all the time. So that could be exactly what right. you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Because you're exposed to it all the time. Okay. Right. So your immune system is just actually seeing those. Now, what that means though, is that you, your immune system shouldn't be seeing the blueberry proteins. Those shouldn't be going through your, your, uh, your gut lining. Okay. So that means you have increased gut permeability, which, so then we say, well, instead of just excluding those foods and hoping you get better, no, let's actually focus on the gut. Mm-hmm. Let's heal the gut. And again, it's just the concept of like, what's the underlying problem. It's not the foods actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's increased gut permeability. And then what's causing that? That's a deeper question. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, but then, and not to, like, totally, those things I eat a lot, gluten, tomatoes, whatever, but uh, blueberries, but then, like, for instance, like, sesame was on there, and I don't eat that a lot, although I like sesame stuff, but, so, you know what I mean, but um, mm-hmm. it it is interesting, and I think... it's what's so tricky is like, for instance, some people eat bread or something and they really feel it. Like they don't feel well. Whereas like I'll eat and I don't notice anything. That doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily like allergic to it. However, it also could, there could just be like inflammation and little things like that, that Mm -hmm. I'm either used to just feeling this way and I think it's normal or it could be causing long-term damage and I don't realize it. So that's why it's so tricky. Yeah, the, the chronic inflammatory component of, of gluten in particular, but even beyond gluten with our the wheat that we have in this mm-hmm. country is, is very high. And this other thing called wheat germ and gluten in or, mm-hmm. or w, WGA. Um, and there's other proteins too, but that one in particular is is really inflammatory and you don't feel it when you eat it. Yeah. Right. Do you kind of recommend like, why do I have eczema? away like, from it like in general? I mean, I know you're not you seem pretty fair. I, so I, so this is what I, like, I don't eat bread. I just, okay. I know that I don't, I don't do well with it. I don't feel good with it. And I just get fat. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't eat bread. But, um, for my patients, I, I do, I test that on almost everybody, right? So we get this, this wheat profile, it has all the proteins in it. And so we look and say, well, you're not, you don't have a, a sensitivity to gluten. You don't have celiac disease. You would have right. probably known that, right. although not everybody. Um, but you are highly sensitive to these other things. So then we, we have them take it away, right? We, we trial without it and we see how they feel. And I will say most people don't go back to it. Yeah. They're like, like, wow, I feel so much better without it mm-hmm. that it's not worth that slice of bread. Or, you know, when they do add it in, like they, they actually then notice it like a week later, they're like, wow, like my face broke out. Yeah. Like, you know, like I like got really bloated. I gained five pounds. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, remember that crouton in your salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just snuck that darn thing in there because mm-hmm. it doesn't take much. It's, mm-hmm. it's really crazy how, yeah. how potent it is. That's true. All right. I have goals to, I've been, I'm pregnant right now. So I've been like <laughs> all the bread and I've been eating sourdough uh, mostly, which, cause I have heard that sourdough is the least, um, it's fermented. Yeah. So at least there's something there, but mm-hmm. I, when no, I'm yeah, not if you're, pregnant, if you're getting, but if there's really good, uh, gluten-free sourdough bread, that's what we feed our kids. Right? Okay, so we're, there not, you like, go. We're, we're not, we're not that hard with the kids. Like we're not militant around the yeah. household. Our kids do eat all this stuff. So yeah, gluten-free sourdough bread is what our kids eat. One and, of the better uh, choices. You know, if that, if it makes it, if that makes it onto my plate every now and then, it's not the end of the world. Right. I think like you said, just, well, like we're talking about, just like moderation. So I think um, every now and again, but if it's like a daily thing, that's something to like p- perhaps look at if you're not feeling your best. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it depends on, it depends on your starting point too, right? Yeah. So like I, I have this challenge with my my diabetic patients. It's another area where whew, like we are, we are mistreating our diabetic patients for the most part. Not because the physicians mean mean to do this, but we're just we're taught to treat them, you know, like with medications and insulin. Um, but really, the insulin is the bigger problem, right? So and we can get into the details of that. But so really, we need to work on reducing the insulin, not giving yeah. them more insulin. And so, and you can do that through nutrition. It's a nutrition problem, right? But my diabetics will say, well, as long as I just consume, you know, bread and pasta in moderation, I'll be okay. I'm like, mm. actually, no you are metabolically busted. And until we can try to like change some of this metabolic damage that's occurred, um, you actually need to be pretty much abstinent of these things. Right. Or, or you can go on insulin, right. Is your choice. 
And so I, I had this conversation and, and I have some patients, like I just I prescribed insulin the other day or, you know, we tried it, she was doing really well. And then she just like, she's like, it's just not worth it to me. And I was like, that's, and that's your choice, right? Eat. Like yeah. you can, ha- you can be on insulin if you want, right. like as a foot and ankle surgeon, I know the end game there, but you know, you have to make your own decisions. But if you don't want to be on medicine, which I obviously would think well for me i'll speak for myself not for other people it would be the goal then that's when you have to sometimes do harder work <laughs> whatever yeah, it might be to, you have to know where your starting point is yeah right? and this is where people get really really um with children it really bothers me when people start cutting stuff out unnecessarily because then you're really shaping them long term and, right. and that, it's, it's concerning for me yeah um, and that's we try not to do that for our kids uh, well, yeah. but obviously we're like we're we're hard to be around. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like obviously medicines can save your life, but they also have a lot of side effects. So that's something also probably making a lot of people sick, right? That we didn't quite touch on, but. That, yeah. That I was just at a tricky. conference a couple of weeks ago where they were, they're, they're studying the, you know, interactions, medicine, medicine interactions, and also um, nutrient depletion from medications. And this is something that we don't, we don't talk about at all. Right. Like, you are not told like, Hey, if you're on this high blood pressure medication, like you have to take these four supplements. Mm. Doctors don't know that. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies don't know that, you know? And so it is, (laughs) yeah, that, well, yeah, they don't make money on that. Right. Um, And, uh, and I talk about a lot about the pharmaceutical company, but we have to recognize pharmaceuticals and the insurance industry, they are businesses, right? So you can't, you can't actually be too hard on a business. That's just trying to make money. Like their board is just trying to make money. Sure but you got to understand it for what it is. Right. So we can't expect that your insurance company is going to like have all the information and help you optimize to the way that you want to optimize. Right. Um, so, so to answer your question, yeah, I think medications that are prescribed cause nutrient depletion that will eventually cause issues that people don't, they don't know how to get back yeah, from it. Right. Because true. they're like, I have to take this blood pressure medication but I'm now like magnesium and, and B12 deficient and nobody knows why and nobody's testing it. So now I feel terrible. Um, and all they need is to probably change their diet and then get off their blood pressure medication and then replete those right. nutraceuticals and oh, they're good. Gosh, yeah. um, but that's not how our system works. That's tricky. Well, thank goodness for people like you. And that's why I love your customized approach because it can get over really overwhelming. And I, I dabble with some supplements, but I also feel like in general, if you're healthy, not maybe not some of your patients and people that are literally like depleted, but I don't think we should have to be taking a million supplements. If you're healthy, um, per se, you should be getting it from your food and and stuff. But if you have issues, of course, like each person's different, right? You might need vitamin mm-hmm. D, you might need, like you said, magnesium or something. But like, for instance, I drink um, reverse osmosis water because I don't want fluoride in my water, but that means all my trace minerals are stripped out. I learned that. So now I have a trace mineral <laughs> you know, supplement that I'm adding back yeah. in my drinking water. So it's like that stuff mm-hmm. can get really overwhelming though. Um, so that's why it'd be nice to have someone like you who can that's look at what, when you can test it, you right? know, what am I taking yeah. and what am I depleted in? Oh gosh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Right. So. Right. Or, and it gets really specific too. I mean, we're just with a patient, you know, she's been working with us for a while. And we just did a new study where uh, a new test was kind of looking at specific micronutrient deficiencies. Then we recognized, you know, we've been repleting all of these B vitamins for her. She's a problem for a long time. 
Uh, and they recognize like, wow, actually her, like her B2 level very specifically is really low. And then we go back and look at what she's been taking and we're like, Hmm, there actually isn't that much B2 in it. Right. And she's not getting it from her diet. So we just have to make these like subtle tweaks. Yeah. There's no way to know that. No. Unless you're actually getting the objective data. Right. You know, like, Oh, I should take this B complex and not this B complex. Because they're different. You know, like, yeah. Different. Ones. They're not all the same. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it's really, it's really helpful to know that. Yeah. I think that's another, I mean, not to like be repetitive, but so we talked about some things that are making you sick, but then also um, that's why the blood test can be so valuable is like you said, a lot of things we're eating aren't as nutrient dense as they should be mm-hmm. what we use, our ancestors used to eat. And so that could also be giving us a ton of symptoms, just deficiencies, right? And that's an easier fix really if you can take some supplements or eat things that have those nutrients that you're missing. Um, if you can find good quality stuff, that is, but food, yeah. Um, but I yeah, mean, that's the hardest thing. Yeah. And there's a ton of people probably that are like very deficient in D or, you know, easy things that just take a drop on your tongue and hopefully that'll help. But I know it's not always that simple, but that's something to, to think about too. It's not just stuff that you're eating that's making you sick. It's like you literally could just be like sucked dry of certain things that we need to feel good. Right. Cause I think fatigue is a huge, I know I had chronic fatigue for a long time and I actually, I started celery juicing. That's a whole nother like thing. But I, I think I had some weird viral like Epstein bar stuff and I literally feel the best I've ever felt when I celery juice. So anywho, that's a tangent, but like that just proved everyone's so different and no doctor could help me and I'm not putting them down. But, um, I think the goal of me saying this is like, you have to do your research. You have to be your best advocate, find someone like you who's going to support, um, support the journey because bless doctors hearts. They're so busy too, right? They're just trying their best. And I think if you can find someone to really take the time and but I do, don't you think like patients, we really have to be our best advocates and like get second opinions. Absolutely have to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we talk to people, they say, well, you know, why can't my traditional doctor do this? Or why doesn't my insurance cover this? And, And the reality is, is, you know, it takes me when I onboard a patient, we get all the data for me to prep for that call to go through it and then to come out on the other end with all the recommendations and then get kind of get everything sorted. I mean, that's a four or five hour deal, right? That's, and I've, I've optimized it and made it as efficient as I can. It just takes a lot of time. It's a lot of data. And yeah, I mean, your primary care doc, when they see you, they probably have seven minutes, right? Like seven minutes. You know, I, I was seeing when I was in my orthopedic clinic, I would see, you know, 50 to 60 people a day. So you're literally just like, you're like walking in, you're like, you're brushing by the patient and you're walking out. So stretched um, in, yeah. You just can't, you can't do that. And that's why I think the subspecialization of medicine just continues to happen because if all I'm worried about as an orthopedic surgeon is your foot and that's like all I'm going to like, that's all I'm going to talk about. That's all I care about. I'm just like, hmm, you have midfoot arthritis, you need an injection. You know, like I can do that in seven minutes. Sure. Um, but I can't, I can't talk somebody through reversing diabetes in seven minutes. Right. It's not possible. Right. Hey friends, I wanted to take a minute to share a jewelry band that I am really loving right now called Anna Luisa. What makes them so special to me is that their mission is to be sustainable while using recycled materials when possible and using ethical practices when they produce their jewelry. I love how delicate and beautiful their designs are, and I enjoy stacking their necklaces with other pieces I own. I have a link for 20% off your purchase in the description box of this podcast episode. 
be sure to use the code LaurenLive20 when shopping. That's all caps, LaurenLive20. There are six different pendants in their new elements collection, each representing a unique personality. The drawings are handmade and have a vintage finish. This piece that I'm wearing is called the Spirit Pendant, and I was drawn to it because of the eye symbol. As you know, the all-seeing eye of protection is my jam. Just check out the wallpaper on a lot of my podcasts. Got the eye. Not only are these pendants fun for yourself, but they're a great gift for loved ones. Check out AnnaLuisa.com and enjoy shopping their wide range of jewelry. Don't forget, I have a link for 20% off in the description box of this episode. Be sure to use the code LaurenLive20. Cheers. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, um, I think that the expectations just have to change and you have to be an advocate for yourself and you have to look for who is the right person to work with you. I'm not the right person to work with everybody. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little stern. I'm a little strict. Um, but but, but we make changes. Right. And, and so, um, but there are, there are different approaches. People are doing all kinds of different stuff. There's so many cool companies in the space right now. Um, I'm seeing new, new things pop up all the time, but you have to be an advocate for yourself. And you also have to be willing to invest in yourself because your insurance company is not going to cover this stuff. Totally. They're, they're not, they're not interested. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I was, sorry, sometimes I feel like I, cause I get so excited and it's just, we have like a short time and we're talking and I'm like bouncing all over the place. And I threw in that celery juice. I did a whole episode on that, but it worked for me. I'm not saying like take celery juice. It's going to solve your problems. But I, my point in bringing that was I went to like different doctors did all the blood tests, all the things, nothing was working. And so I started, you know, doing my own research and that was something that really helped me feel good and gave me energy. I'm not saying like everyone, it's going to work for everybody. My point is like, I, I found something that really helped me. So you have to be your best advocate and um, do your own research. So anyways, that's why I threw that little tidbit in there. But um, yeah. yeah, I think everyone has a different journey. Um, luckily I was able to do that on my own and it wasn't serious enough where I had to go, you know what I mean? Like I've been able to help myself, I guess. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just have, I have so much empathy for people that are dealing with chronic disease. I kind of, I have just a taste of it through that because I was literally barely able to function throughout my work day. Like I was so fatigued. It was like beyond anything I'd ever experienced. And it's just the most awful, awful feeling. And I know that chronic yeah. fatigue and stress, uh, that's a it. huge yeah. thing that people mm-hmm. are dealing with. Right. Um, yeah, I see it. And that's one of the things we talk about is, is energy. You know, people yeah. who are like, I just, I mean, I'll probably say like biggest, biggest symptom complaints. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's energy. Yeah. It's the, I see a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, CEOs, professionals, doctors, I work with a lot of doctors now, yeah. which is funny, but a lot of doctors who are especially surgeons are like, I just can't get through my day anymore. You know, like I just like, I used to be able to bang out 10 cases and like, and feel good you know, hit the gym on my way home. And now they're just like dragging, right. you know, yeah. and it's, it's a combination of nutrition, yeah. combination of terrible lifestyle that all these people take call, like they're up in the middle of the night. Stress, like I remember doing that sleep, sucks. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then you, you, know, you add the stress, you add poor nutrition, and then you start seeing things like hormone imbalances and, and adrenal dysfunction. And then it's just like, yeah, you know, and then they get to a point where they, they have to, I mean, I had a guy recently who just, super nice guy, orthopedic surgeon. Um, 
became a type two diabetic and then became a type one diabetic. I mean, his, his body was just so badly damaged that his pancreas just doesn't make any insulin wow. anymore. Um, and when I told, I was like, Hey, you know, happy to work with you. You know, this is, this is what we need to do. He's, he was like, whatever, man, I just, yeah. I, I, I gotta feel better. He's got totally. young kids. He's like, he's like, I'm afraid I'm not gonna be able to hang out with my kids in 10 years. You know, Gosh, like I feel yeah. like I'm dying. I'm like, yeah. well, let's, let's do something. <laughs> let's yeah. fix this for you. And that's, uh, yeah. And it's sad to, to see like for empathy for the doctors that, you know, they're, they are stretched so thin and, mm-hmm. you know, our medical, as we saw through like COVID and other things, like it's just stretched super thin. And so it's like, man, there's just so much improvement of work we could do in the, in the healthcare system. You know, it's like, I have a family member that's a GI specialist and, I don't know, like years ago, I was like talking about like, I don't know, constipation or something. He's like, take, you know, um, what's this orange powder that you drop in, um, you, you know, like to make it uh, in the bathroom. Uh, what yeah, is it like called? Mir- Miralax. Miralax or like the orange one though, like the orange powder. And it has like dyes and like aspartame. And oh, I'm like, yeah. dude. I don't know. I don't, I don't recommend that. Yeah. He was recommending <laughs> it. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like taking that crap? Cause you can, there's natural other natural, you know, like husk yeah. and stuff. And, um, I'm just like, that's what's so like, I not every doctor is like this, or you'll talk to like a heart surgeon and then they like, smoke and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like it's so messed up. But yeah, it's a real thing. If you have, you're seeing doctors and helping doctors, like everyone is mm-hmm. needs help. And I just, I don't know, man, it's overwhelming. I just really hope that our food system and um, can shape up and in some ways it is, but we have a long ways to go. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of optimism with the direction that, you know, that large organizations are buying up yeah. our farming areas. I mean, the whole, the whole industrial, the move to continue to further industrialize right. our food processing yep. is the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the whole idea of like of, of printing food and I don't care, like we, you know, we don't need to talk about animals and protein or whatever, but like the whole idea that we can try to print protein and, and rely on the the broken energy system mm-hmm. to make something that we actually can just grow and raise right. if you would just let people do it. Right. You know, the way that we've done it for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really concerning. Um, so concerning. that's why I live on nine acres and have the capacity to raise food. Good for you. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm really concerned about it. Yeah. I have some friends that have started, they started their own farm and I think during COVID, a lot of people have really woken up to like, mm-hmm. well, you know, supply chain and just like we got to. So there are people that are moving that direction. But for the most of us that are busy, it's hard to. It's really hard. hard yeah. And again, just I'm super fortunate. You know, like we do, we have we have 16 <clears throat> chickens and oh, wow. a lot of eggs. Yeah. Um, I don't actually raise any animals at this point other than that. But yeah, well, um, it's something that's you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that we do it, we have a garden, you know, so it's, we're definitely headed in that direction, but we're also North Carolina I mean, we're outside of Asheville. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of farming around here and there's a lot of local agriculture and they're doing it really well. You know, like they're all, they kind of check all the boxes. Like my kids go to a summer camp at a a farm and like play with Mm. the animal, you know, like they're, they're doing it well in a way that is not only actually improving the environment, but providing good, good quality, nutritious food. Um, That's, I feel like that's probably the answer, but it's definitely outside of the scope of my genius. You know, it's just a tough problem. Yeah. But I guess to be, to spin it and make it kind of positive, which is what I try to do on the show. I point out the issues, but then like you said, if, if you are in a place where you're wanting to do something like your patient, like it's realistic, you want to stay on the insulin, you want to still eat these foods and you want to live that life. 
That's you. You do you. If you're sick of feeling this way, you don't want to be in a drug. We got to do this work. You're sick of the food system. You can start growing your own food. You don't have to if it's not realistic for you in your job or your life, but there are ways that we now, we have education. There are people like you. There are people that can teach you how to start a farm or a little garden, right? right? This is the thing is if you really feel bad enough and you want to make a change, I guess that's what I would want to say. And then I would, I'm assuming based on what we've talked about so far, be your best, your, your own best advocate, and you, mm-hmm. you can take the power back and, and make yourself, it is possible, I think, for most people to feel better, but that entails some change and hard work sometimes. It takes work, yeah. right? And, and I think it always takes work yeah. because so much, like you go back to the beginning of our conversation and like, what are the underlying issues? You know, it's, it's food and it's stress, but to change that yep. means hard. that you have to actually like be disciplined to go to bed on time. Right. You can't, you know, you can't binge watch Netflix every night. Yeah. Um, you got to control the processed foods that are making mm-hmm. their way into your house. Yeah. You have to not sit on your phone for five hours a day. Right. Like all these things do take discipline, right? And yeah. you have to decide like, what are you going to do with them? Yeah. Um, and, and if you're raising kids, like, do you have kids? I have a, a little one and another one on the way. So yeah. 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 So as you raise these little kids, you know, this decision of like, Oh my gosh, how do we expose them and how do we, how controlling are we? And are we again, you know, yeah. like all these just, it's our society is, it does take work to be your best self in our society. It I does. Think. Yeah. It's hard because like you said, like the mass corporation for most of us, it's interface every day. It's convenient um, or marketed, you know, to, to buy these things, but also each day more and more people are becoming more conscious to, oh gosh, this stuff isn't so good or, Hey, here's an alternative. Right. So Mm -hmm. there are, there are options, but I think it comes in, you have to educate yourself and learn. And that's the other thing. A lot of people just don't know. A lot of people simply don't know, just like even doctors, they're not being taught what nutrition is probably like this much of your medical school. Oh, it's, it's it, almost nothing. It should yeah, be it's almost really nothing. this, you know, cause I was, I mean, I was in an osteopathic school, right? So we're like, yeah. we're, we're supposed to be like, you know, mind, body, soul, right. everything. And, and that's true to some extent, but how much nutrition did we actually have? I mean, almost none. I mean, and, and the same, it was like the stuff we did have was just stupid basics. Didn't that's actually help crazy. anything. So um, that's like baffling because we literally eat all day, every day you know throughout the day like that should be a huge focus (laughs) well but yeah just just consider though like and i hate saying this but i really feel like it's true like the medical the medical industrial complex is is manipulated all the way back through the beginning of of physician training right so like we are trained as robots to prescribe drugs and do surgeries that's why our system is designed not designed, but it has been changed to the way that it is right. partially because of demand, right? We have, we have so many people, we need so yeah. many physicians to see. Um, but we are really only exposed to the things that are going to sell right. something, sell a procedure. Sure. Right. And, and I mentioned, you know, insurance companies before, but consider hospital systems too. You know, this is the, the, the medical industrial complex is the third biggest revenue generator yeah. for our country. That's true. Right. So, we can't, like, if you were to say everybody's healthy, right? Like we'd have the worst financial crisis ever. <laughs> there are people sitting in a hospital, like 
sick because yeah, like they, right. they rely so, on I mean, that. just think about it this way. It does the system, just like the boardroom of the pharmaceutical companies is really not interested in making people better. They're interested in making money. Right. And right. that's not against them. That's just their job. Sure. Same thing with the hospital system. Same thing with like the entire complex. They make money off of you being sick. Right. right? They don't make money off of you being better. Right. And so you have to be an advocate and this isn't the doctors, like the doctors are just, they're cogs in the, in the yeah. complex. You have to be an advocate for yourself and recognize that the system doesn't want you to be optimized. Mm -hmm. The system may not want you to be too sick because then you might cost the insurance company money. But that sort of in between yeah. where you need a little bit of something, but not too much, that's just perfect. Yeah, right. Right. It, and, and if you want to be above that, I think that you really have to take that you have to take that on yourself and and do the work, but then also take it to the next step. And this is really where I've, I've kind of started doing a whole lot more on social, just getting information out there to say, look, this is what I'm doing. And I, I, I used to never want to be this guy, right? Like this is me working out, or this is me, like, this is what I eat. You right. know, like, I just felt like who cares. Right. But the reality is, is that people are looking for that guidance and for people that are like, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm, I'm a whole lot better than most of my patients. So I can at least say like, look, I've figured some of these things out. You may want to consider some of these things for yourself. Um, and the more of us that are actually healthy, that know that, that know mm -hmm. that we're actually healthy by blood labs and how we feel right. and so forth, the more of us that can put that information out there, the more we're going to see what I feel is really a very small minority of the population start to educate everybody else mm -hmm. and start to create this wave of people that are like, you know what? I do need to prioritize going to sleep. You know what? I do need to prioritize actually getting that lift in today. I do need to pre prevent myself from losing muscle mass, mm -hmm. you know? And, and then you see the guys are like, Oh, like it's actually okay to be on testosterone. If I don't, if my testosterone is terrible, like it's actually not, you know, forbidden and it's okay, you know, because I've been under stress for 40 years. Like these are the things that we need to like come out and be like, yeah, it's okay for you to care about yourself. It's not selfish. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, I would just encourage anybody that's sort of in this space to like, look, don't, don't just be quiet and let, yeah. and let the, let, let the whole world crumble down. Mm -hmm. You got to, you got to stand up if you want to build it um, and, and encourage other people to do it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good advice. Yeah. And sadly, I think it, again, we're all just like so busy and it's so hard to like tackle some of these problems. So we just like, I think we're used to like living sick we're used to like not feeling 100 percent well we're used to having anxiety and not sleeping well like we're used to all this it's a norm and Absolutely. you know that makes me sad like that shouldn't be a norm i don't really think we should be feeling like this and that is one thing i'll just throw that medical medium is the guy that talks about like cellar juicing amongst other things he's helped people with chronic illness but <laughs> he talks about um like our bodies weren't meant to feel like this. We weren't meant to attack our bodies with autoimmunes. I think that's another thing. It's just like labeled as autoimmune. Here's the pills. Like you're going to have to just like live with it. But I really don't think that we were built to have autoimmunes and like feel like crap. I really don't think that's how our bodies were designed. No. And I don't think autoimmune is even an exception to that. I think that autoimmune is, is really, again, it's like this, it's a consequence of our lifestyle. Right. It's a consequence of our gut. It's a consequence of our dysfunction. Right. I see autoimmune reversed all the time yeah, in my practice. Totally. Right. Well, I think and I and so it is not, you, know, you go to the traditional medical system, you have an autoimmune disease here, take this right. immune modulating drug. Well, okay. That, yeah. If you're like, if your liver is about to fail. Okay. But let's say you don't even have any symptoms yet. Sure. Maybe instead of hopping on Remicade, let's take a look at your gut health. 
Right. Let's, you know, see if we can change your nutrition. Are you eating something that's blowing up your system right. that you don't know? Right. Mm -hmm. You're like, I, I was, let's say they're like remarkably exquisitely sensitive to celery. I don't, I don't know if that's even possible, yeah. but you know, like you're doing all the, you're, you're funneling this thing in. actually you see this a lot with like kale. People are like, you know, I do these kale smoothies right. and I'm like, my gut, my gut doesn't feel good. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, kale's got some stuff to it. Like yeah. there's benefit, but you probably shouldn't mainline it. Sure. Um, and so like, what's like, what are these things that you're doing and how we can potentially reverse this sure. before it becomes a big problem. So autoimmunity. Yeah, I do. I see it a lot. A um, and I've gotten a lot of people off of, of autoimmune modulating drugs, yeah. um, which is really, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a huge thing that I think people just like think you have to live with it and that's not always the case. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, gosh, I feel like, you know, we could talk all day, but I feel like we've hit a, on a lot. So, you know, sometimes they're like, I don't want to overwhelm the listener, but you know, just before we close, um, I mean, do you have any other like tips or, or, you know, um, where, where can someone start? You're, what states are you able yeah, to serve? Great, great question. So right now we are in, I'll do it. I think I'll do it from West to East coast. They're random states just because my life has been randomly distributed out, yeah. but um, licensed in California, Colorado, Texas, um, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. Okay. And I think that's all of them. Okay. And then we are, I mean, we're, we are, I have a physician who's on our, he's been on our team and off our team. Um, he just has a lot, he's a very high demand guy. So he's licensed in all 50 states. So there's okay. potential that, you know, in the future we wouldn't have this restriction. Sure. So if you, if, if you're interested, uh, just reach out and it's, it's always changing. And of course yeah. we'll update our website. Um, yeah. and, um, yeah, so that's where. Okay. That's and I where saw on your website too, you have like a free, um, consultation if someone's interested, yeah, right? Yeah. So the the pathway to, to get to know more about us is to obviously go to our website. So we have we have two, but the main one is Optimal Human Health. Uh, it's just optimalhumanhealth.com. The the bone health version of that is just Optimal Bone Health. Mm -hmm. um, and the difference being there's just more bone health information on that right. that web page. But on either web page, you can uh, just click on a free consultation, and that'll get you to either me or or one of the members of my team. Um, and kind of talk about how we do what we do. We are trying to put out, we have a weekly newsletter that goes out about longevity and optimization and um, follow us on social YouTube channel, just, just launching. Um, but we're pretty steeped in Instagram and Facebook. That's awesome. Wow. Well, thanks for all the work you're doing. I love, well, thank you. I love, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I love to see. Um, I always think it's the, the perfect match. Like I saw a holistic MD. I think that's so cool. It's like, you know, you're trained in Western, but you've got, you're looking outside the box. And I just think there's more and more people that are starting to do that. So I really, you know, thank you for your work and helping people and um, keep it up. And everybody just, you know, we got to stay positive and just, I think education advocate, for, be an advocate for yourself. And if you feel like what, you know, where you've been going isn't helping there are people like Doug and others that can, you know, maybe help you in a different, in a way that you wouldn't have expected. So check out his website. We'll definitely put it in the description of the podcast. And um, yeah, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Take care, everybody.